Welcome to week number one SEC football live. That's right. The full slate is here. Yes, we got a Vanderbilt win last week. And yes, the fans are already clamoring for Mizzou content right out of the gate. But uh, Michael Bratton, Braden Gall here, of course. You can catch us on Twitter live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time, Michael. Eastern time for those of us in the Eastern time Eastern. zone. hate it. <laughs> I agree with you. A week. It's awful. I lived in Eastern time all through college in Knoxville, and uh, I'm glad to be in Central Standard God's time, of course, uh, here on the show. You can catch us on the podcast feed, SEC Football Live. You can catch us on that SEC Podcast YouTube page. You can catch us on the 440 Sports Twitter feed as well and give us both a follow and interact throughout the course of the week. This is when you can talk to our faces, but you can talk to our fingers all throughout the week. So if you want to join in and, and, and hop on and debate and discuss, let's do it. Tons of stuff to get to today on the show. Uh, we have a full slate of action, three enormous football games that I think are bigger than anybody else in the conference. But every single other game has tons of things to get into in terms of what we are looking for, what we are studying, what we are watching. So uh, I, I guess we can go. You want to just go right in here because I can't wait for Sunday night. I mean, I know Saturday's going to be great and I know Thursday's going to be great and I can't wait for those two. But Sunday night seems like such a, a, a mammoth football game between LSU and Florida State. And I hope we enjoy it. Not with an eye on like the college football playoff, but like with an eye on just two great programs playing that hate each other, that played a great football game last year, and I hope we get a great football game this year. Yeah, I gotta be honest with you, Braden. I hate playoff talk till about mid-November. Then I'll talk playoff because you're overlooking the greatest sport, the greatest regular season in all of sports, in my opinion, college football. Who in the hell cares where the rankings, what they look like in, in mid-November? Give me football. And, yeah, Sunday, that'll be a great game. I get it. But I've rewatched the Vanderbilt-Hawaii game three times. I'm going to watch Florida-Utah Florida, from last year. I'm going to probably watch that tonight just to get uh, geared up for this Thursday night game. I, I'm just happy we're not talking documentaries. We're not talking hot takes. We're not take, talking lists. We're actually talking football and uh, yeah, I, I couldn't be more excited about it. Uh, I am also done with listicles. Uh, I don't need any more listicles in my life. That's for sure. I, you said documentaries. Uh, I assume you're talking about the things that were on Netflix because I would not call those documentaries. <laughs> yeah, I, would call, I mean, whatever I would call the hell those, those were. Uh, I would call that paid for content uh, by some NF, by some by some agents and some PR companies. But either way, uh, so let's talk actual matchup then, because and all of you guys, if you want to help steer the conversation, please jump into the comments. We do appreciate you guys. But one of the things I've been, I, I agree. I think the message for Florida State and LSU is not to worry about what it means about the resume at the end of the season, is to just enjoy for three and a half, maybe four hours. Two great quarterbacks, two great programs, great helmet game. Sure, I wish it was in Baton Rouge or in Tallahassee, but it's not. It's at some stupid neutral site in, in Orlando, but whatever, whatever. The fans are going to be great, and it should be a bona fide superstar matchup in almost every position. And I want to start with uh, – so certainly Mason Smith being out is a big factor here for LSU's front seven, which is a big part of the, the matchup within the game. Would you say that the defensive backs, the secondary, is the biggest weakness – for LSU going into the season? I mean, they don't have a ton of weaknesses, but would that be the one area that you are concerned about? Well, that and special teams, just because they were so god-awful on special teams last year. Thankfully, they fired the special teams coordinator, and they got the janitor up there, John Jancic, leading the charge on special teams. So, yeah, but 
I mean, they they addressed the via the transfer portal. So I don't know if it's a question mark or well, concern. It's a question mark for sure. How the, how all these new pieces are going to fit together in Matt House's system, but they nailed the transfer portal last year, and uh, I, I th- I'm confident that they did it again down there in, in Baton Rouge. I don't think we'll know until we see him against Jordan Travis, who I'm I, confident. I, I, I know you are. <laughs> I know you are. I, I'm confident in Brian Kelly and LSU being good, being great potentially. Uh, but Jordan Travis is, if for those that don't know and don't watch Florida State football, which I, I don't know why you wouldn't. They're a heck of a football team. And I, I think Jordan Travis is one of the best deep ball throwers in the entire country. They have NFL receivers on the outside who are 6'5", 6'6". They are going to go down the field, and they're going to put LSU defensive backs into pressure single coverage situations. And if they can, if they hold up, then I think you're going to learn that LSU is national championship caliber. Because there's not the point of this to me, Michael, is that there's not many programs in America that are going to throw as many weapons at that defense as Florida State will. So if they win and they win easily, to me that shows that they are national championship caliber, like that they have that kind of upside this year. If they struggle in those situations, it doesn't mean they're bad. It, it means they're. It means Florida State is that good. Does that make sense? I'm glad you went there, Braden, because I was prepping. I told you before I don't know anything about damn Florida State, but I went back and studied up a little bit. I didn't realize they had a week zero game last year, so they had a game before that LSU game. I I didn't even yeah. know that, so they were a little bit more prepared. And they lost to Wake Forest. Oh, man, mighty Wake Forest. They lost to NC State. They lost to Clemson. And then they went on this incredible run. Hottest team in the country, preseason top 10. Look at these juggernauts they beat, Brayden. Georgia Tech, oh, my God. That was a home game. Miami, which was god-awful last year. I'm looking at Miami was 5-7. and seven. Yeah, good job. You beat them. Syracuse, aren't they? They're about a loss away from firing their coach. They beat Louisiana, which is where Billy Napier left from and took all the best players, took them to Florida. And then they beat the Gators, which the Gators were awful by the end of last season. And Anthony Richardson nearly single-handedly beat them. And, oh, yeah, they beat Oklahoma, which was a losing record. They beat them in a bowl game. And we're all sitting here hyping up Florida State as this national championship contender, ACC pick, uh, you know, to, to, be, to win that conference. Get the hell out of here. I, I don't even think this is going to be a ball game, right? I think uh, LSU is going to beat the shit out of them. Florida State outright with the win uh, for me on, on Sunday night. Here, here's the thing. You can't sit here and tell me that you don't know anything about any of these teams, that you don't watch any of them, and then make a I judgment just did, about I how did the research. They they're, they're awful. Come on. Get the hell so, out of here. Wake Forest is one of the best Wake Forest programs that, that in, in the history of Wake Forest football. I'm not going to go down the schedule. The point is, is that Florida State did what you want to see a team do to build for next year, which is go on a hot streak down the stretch regardless of who you play. They, they dominated people down the stretch. They lost to three or four good teams, including on, on the last play of the game. Uh, like they won on the last play of the game to LSU. So they, we already saw them basically evenly matched. Both teams should be better this year. And the game's now going to have maybe more Florida State fans in the stands. So I think the key is, can you pressure Jordan Travis off his mark? If you can get Jordan Travis off his mark with Harold Perkins and with some of those other guys on the front seven for LSU without Mason Smith, that is where I think they can win the game and, and just dominate the line of scrimmage. And if they do that, again, if the defensive hold, backs hold up and they pressure the quarterback, I'm not really, you know, I want to see maybe a more traditional running game from LSU. I don't want to see Jalen Dan, Jaden Daniels with like the most attempts and the most yards, like, but you also don't want to take that away from him either. So I just think it's a great football game. It's a great matchup. Talent wise, LSU is not 
that superior. The coaching matchup, Brian Kelly gets a slight edge, but it's not not by much. It's a it's a, just a really great football game with two Southern powerhouses that have aspirations to win the whole fucking thing. That's great. <laughs> that's that's just great for Sunday night. So uh, I also I have no don't get the that. I don't get the Mike Norvell hype. I mean, I, I mean, think he's just won everywhere he's been. Like Memphis, he's not really won it much at Florida State. I was looking up a, a, another. I was reading up about them. They're like they're fifteen and six in their last, and they were that was like a good stat. And I'm like, Jesus, you get fired in the SEC, you go in fifteen and six. Uh, I mean, Brian Kelly almost that's, that's, lost six games last year. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. They lost four times, dude. <laughs> this is the SEC, man. If Mike Norvell was in here, he his record would be six and That's, fifteen. This is not an anti or pro SEC thing. This is just Florida State LSU. Let's enjoy it for what it is. It's two top okay. ten teams, two very big brands that I can't. I, first of all, I also hope I want. I, I, I this is why I wish it was on a college campus because I think the tailgate would just yeah. be just insane. Like Florida State is bonkers crazy tailgates, and LSU is the best of all time. So like you put them into one parking lot in freaking orlando florida god knows what's going to happen in that parking lot so thank you tim beating bama races two losses so really they only had two hey don't know i'm just i'm just saying the facts here man <laughs> just saying the facts nine and four nine and four last year and i like ten, no games. ten and four ten, right? Oh, my, my my apologies well I, I don't think they can play 14 games can they well, I mean, that's true because, they, they, lost they played the sec yeah. championship um, is there anything else within the game that you are interested to watch X's and O's wise that you think will teach us something about LSU for the rest of the year? Or is it just let's enjoy the game? Uh, what they do with Harold Perkins, because there's a lot of talk about uh, maybe not utilizing him as just like the water boy, you know, see the ball, get the ball <laughs> right, and right. Uh, putting him more in the middle of the defense. So I, I'm kind of curious. And, and some people are wondering why the hell they do that. But I think having your best player have the ability to do more things in the defense is a good thing just because we didn't see him do it last year. Uh, so I, I'll have a keen eye on, on what the, the, uh, or how they use utilize Perkins in this football game, particularly next to Spites, who's who was an all Pac-12 performer next to him. I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, I want to see Makai Wingo, see how he steps up without Mason Smith next to him. And, uh, you know, some of these transfers, we already mentioned the defensive backs, but LSU also loaded up with uh, edge players at, at the transfers. Guy, a guy from Texas, I, I'm not going to butcher his name, but uh, they added several of those guys. So to your point, they need to get to the quarterback. I want to see if they're able to do it with, you have to imagine Florida State's focus is going to be on Harold Perkins. Yeah, uh, 100%. And I, I think Mason Smith in the game might actually be why I would like I would take LSU I think if Mason Smith was playing uh, be just because I think he takes up all the space and gives Perkins all kinds of free run but you're right Brian Kelly early on in the offseason was like no we're going to move him into the middle we're going to play him a little bit more into into more traditional middle linebacker role and then you sort of heard rumors out of camp that he was still coming off the edge they were using him in packages so I agree how, how they use him is is going to be fascinating and then I think if Jaden Daniels shows us sort of like mid-season to late-season Daniels where he is willing to throw the football and release it in rhythm and release it on time, I think that's going to be interesting. Keep an eye on Jared Verse, top 10 potential NFL pick for the for the Seminoles coming off the edge. So just just great football matchups within the matchup across the board on, on Sunday night. I, listen, I, I – I would take the Knowles outright, but that's because I'm picking them to make the playoff and be like number two in the nation. So I'm buying the hype and you can next week, if I'm wrong, I'll sit here and be accounted for. I got no problems with that. I'm wrong all the time. Just ask my wife. Um, okay. 
South Carolina, North Carolina is is I I think from a trajectory of the season standpoint, could you argue that for South Carolina that that this is the biggest game of the weekend? From from a how does this affect the trajectory of the season for the teams? Like if if Florida loses, does it really change the trajectory of their season? Maybe not. Like all the other games are kind of blowouts, but like I, I think if if South Carolina plays really well or if South Carolina plays really poorly, I think this football game changes the trajectory of their season more than any other game in week one. Yeah, perhaps. A lot of pressure, a lot on the line. I, I think for both these teams, talking to uh, Stephen Lassen, I, th- I think North Carolina needs a win pretty bad too. So, you know, college game day, nationally broadcast, and we were talking about this uh, with Cousin Shane, but just, you know, so much pressure that what happens to South Carolina, not just this game, but the first five games of the season, what if Rattler struggles and, and South Carolina has, what if they're like, say, two and three or, God forbid, one and four? I don't think anybody's going to pay attention to anything they do the rest of the season. And, I mean, they can win out the rest of the way, but I, I think they'll be written off. So, to your point, there's a lot on the line, even though it's not a conference game. They need to get the momentum. They need to get it quick. And that is something that they have really struggled to do. Uh, I know it's only been two years, but they have struggled in the Shane Beamer era playing some inferior opponents to start strong. Uh, they must do it in this one because if they lose this game, I don't know. I mean, it's it, it, to me, it'll feel like a lot of the air is coming out of that, that yeah. height. That, that's, that's the trajectory thing. Uh, also because of how the matchup sets up, right? Like South Carolina is sort of their weak their weaknesses is are in the trenches on the offensive line, the defensive line. That that might you can avoid some of that against the North Carolina team that doesn't play any defense. Now they got some really good linebackers, like like all all conference level linebackers, but like they don't play a lot of defense at all. And so it does set up for Spencer Rattler with the new coordinator with some nice weapons on the outside to like build some confidence and and show us that what you did at the end of last season wasn't just a, a momentary glimpse of brilliance. Like show us that what you did last season is carried over. And, and cause again, if, if you can't, if you cannot score against North Carolina, you are not going to score against sec defenses. So they have to score points. And on the other side, of course, God help anyone trying to stop Drake may that, that dude could be the number one overall pick. He's got a new offensive system that he actually is much happier with. I've been told than the previous system and they're going to sling it, dude. They, this is like a circus. <laughs> this whole game is like a wild a wild circus. Again, I wish it was in Columbia or Chapel Hill, but hey, we get the matchup either way, I guess. It's better than not having the game, I guess. What happens if uh, South Carolina struggles against this defense? And, I mean, I know all the fans are fired up about Dow Loggins because he's great in a press conference and all that, but... <laughs> I mean, hell, they were probably fired up about Marcus Satterfield till they saw him coach a game. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I mean, well, they certainly they won't be out on him after one game, but it'll be troubling if the first month of the season they struggle mightily on offense. And and here, I think they will start to question whether Shane Beamer knows how to hire an offensive coordinator or not. I mean, you're you're right. That's what the conversation will be. Um, there you go. South Carolina equals overrated, which also you would have said heading into each of the last two seasons. And despite slow starts, South Carolina has finished well above their preseason expectations. So can he do it a third straight time and still doing it on the back of 
just knowing how to manage a game, which he does better than almost anybody else. The whole Beamer ball special teams thing, they're, they're going to be better than almost anybody they play against in that situation. To me, this is still about like so much of this weekend is about quarterbacks. So much of the first couple of weeks is about quarterbacks. And when you play a rival team with the defense, that's terrible. And you are, you're in your fifth or sixth or 14th year as a quarterback, five-star previous Heisman trophy caliber guy who just torched Tennessee Clemson and Vanderbilt to end the year. And, and you feel like you should be the guy like this is a no brainer. You have to perform in this situation. And right. I, is it, is it the pressure amplified there. amplified because it's game day, because it's Saturday night, week one nationally televised. I mean, as maybe all sports fans, all college fans are going to be watching this game as long as it's not conflicting with their team. I don't know. So, I mean, it could be great if they beat the hell out of North Carolina. I mean, that'll be great if they, I don't care if they lose by one point or they lose by 40, it's, it's going to be awful for them if they lose it. I feel like. Yeah, I, I agree. I, and I don't, here's the thing. Like I don't have high expectations for the defense to make a bunch of plays against North Carolina. So I think they have, they have house money on that side of the ball. If they make some plays and, and, have a couple of nice stops and all of a sudden South North and Drake may is, is struggling for a chunk of time. That's house money. If you're South Carolina, you're saying, hell we might be better than we think because this is as good an offense as you're going to face anywhere in the country. But if you, that this is all exclusively about Spencer Rattler and Dow Loggins. That is what this is about. You, you, you should put up 35, 38, 41 points. Truly. Like, uh, I, I don't, the over under, I think is 64 and a half. Like th- that's basically telling you 35, 30 is the score, right? So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I think this is a, uh, it, and again, he can answer all kinds of questions. He, he goes out there and slings it around and they score and the offense looks free and loose like it did against Tennessee. And he's down the field taking shots like it was. Uh, then, then all of a sudden, okay, all right, let's see what you can do against Mississippi state against Georgia and against Tennessee <laughs> against Texas A&M and against Clemson. Like it's just, it's a nasty schedule for South Carolina. So what's the record if, Spencer Rattler is a Heisman finalist. And I realize that's that's a leap, but you I, know that pe- people are probably tired of hearing him in, in Heisman hype, but let's just say it happens. Does he have to beat Georgia for that to be the case, or can he do it on the back of statistical production? Does He's that probably got to beat Georgia. Yeah, I would think he has to probably beat Georgia to do that, in which case they are probably 9-3, and 10-2 at least. Which yeah, means you definitely are not. Lo- which means you're definitely not losing to North Carolina. I mean, we've mm-hmm. seen quarterbacks win the Heisman on like nine. And th- I mean, T- Tebow won the Heisman on like a, a three, three or four loss team. Um, Robert Griffin won the Heisman on a three or four loss team. Lamar Jackson won the Heisman on a three or four loss team. We've we've seen it. So, um, I, I think that's right. By the way, Kyle says so much stock put into South Carolina's last two games and, and not their first ten, which I have done. And South Carolina fans hate me for it. I'm sorry. That's when Satterfield simplified the offense. And, and and we'll see if Logans does that again. Again, I think all the pressure here is on Rattler and he could absolutely pass with flying colors. And we could be talking tomorrow next week on the show about how how South Carolina's offense has taken another step and Rattler's finally found himself and last year wasn't a fluke. And that could be the story. Could also be the other way. So yeah, uh, we shall see. Uh all right, Florida and Utah. Thursday night. Can't wait for this one. I, I think the point spread was 10, I think as high as eleven at one point. Then it was down to five last week. If you're betting on Utah, I hope you grab the five. If you're betting on Florida, I hope you grab the 11. <laughs> now it's now it's at like six and a half. So it's starting to go back up again. 
the, this, the All-American tight end for Utah, Keith, Brent Keith, he's not going to play probably. We're not sure. Cam Rising is coming off the ACL tell their star quarterback. Probably not going to play. I would assume Graham Mertz debut, Billy Napier. They beat this team last year at home with Richardson doing supernatural things. This is a really hard, hard ask. I know you've picked Florida to win this game outright, but this is a really big ask to go on the road in in elevation in the loudest stadium in the in the Pac-12. <laughs> this is this is as close as Pac-12 football can possibly get to SEC football, which is 105 percent capacity of stadium every game. It's the loudest stadium in the Pac-12. They're the best defensive and offensive lines in the Pac-12. So louder than Oregon. I think Oregon and Utah are the top two, clearly, with with maybe Washington's like number three. Oregon's but the loudest stadium I've ever been in. What game did you get to go to? They beat Tennessee by like sixty. Oh, it was that's pretty funny. damn loud. I forgot about that. <laughs> Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson played for Oklahoma and was there in the tunnel, and he uh-huh. said it's, he said it was he thought it was an earthquake that it was the loudest that he stadium he's ever been in. Uh, I don't think Florida. Travis says I don't think Florida has the defensive line to hold Utah's running. This is this to me. If if Utah's playing its third string quarterback, Florida could go out there and do something crazy. But I think we're gonna. The problem for Florida is the is the defensive front. That that's my issue. I, I think people don't. I think they underestimate how good Florida's offense is, and I don't mean great. I just mean they were the number four offense in the conference last year. They got a couple of nice weapons. I really like the freshman uh, Andy Neal, the receiver. They got Pearsall. They got two good running backs. Like they've got some some pieces on offense. If Merch doesn't fuck it up, so I, I'm curious what the defense looks like. And Utah has made a living chewing up weak defensive fronts over the last 15 years. Well, you know what's interesting about that, Brayden. I was reading an article. Shout out to uh, Will Miles reading reaction, and I had no clue about this, but he did a deep dive on yes, Utah was borderline elite in uh, you know allowing plays over 10 yards uh, or, or fewest plays under 10 yards, but they were, I think, 123rd in the country in 40 yards or more plays allowed. So for as strange as that is to, to say, I mean, they're, they're good at keeping things in front of them, I guess, but, but they are, they are, uh, you know, they give up explosive plays and he used many examples in the Penn state game. Uh, I think Florida had some big plays against them last year. So I think Florida's got the athletes to kind of expose them, uh, down the field. Uh, I, I don't know if Graham Mertz can get it done, but <laughs> I was going to ask, do they have the that's, quarterback? That's too? the true question mark. But, uh, so that's something to keep your eye on. I mean, if, Going up against the explosive uh, Eugene Wilson's another five-star freshman yeah. receiver that Florida's got this year. Uh, and, and to my understanding, Utah's going to be starting a true freshman left tackle, which that doesn't sound good going up against Florida Gators. So, I don't know. And they're down on their third-string quarterback. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of you guys in the comments. Go Hogs! You got RC Sears. All y'all saying Utah by multiple scores. I I mean, well, he's a, I, he's a Florida fan. He knows our picks are horrible. So <laughs> okay, I may enough. just give him a, give him a break here. All right, there you go. I listen. I I agree with you. Now I'm I'd love to know on those plays of forty yards or more the big the big X plays that coaches focus on. I'd be curious because you're you're playing in the same conference with the best quarterbacks right now in in college football with. 
with uh, Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, like these teams go down the field a lot. So there's a lot of opportunity to give up those plays potentially. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I, it, it's an interesting, it, I, I find this to be utterly fascinating because we don't really know what Billy Napier's team is going to be in year two. I'm of the belief that he's building it the right way, that, that it's, it's unusual to ask Florida to be patient. That's normally not what you expect from Florida, but I think the cupboard was super bare. I think the infrastructure wasn't there and he's building it all. And I think it's a really, really shitty draw <laughs> for Billy Napier to have to play Utah of all teams in the first two games of the season in his first two seasons. I just think that's unlucky. Like any other Florida, go back. We should do this exercise. Go back and look at Jim McElwain's first two games of the season and Will Muschamp's first two games and Ron Zook's first two games. I bet she's playing slappy state and sisters of the poor every time. So playing well, I think Utah McElwain, sucks. I think he played Michigan at least once, right? Because I Did he I really? That. Yeah, that that's a good pull by you, by the way. Har- if you pull that, that was a, that was a, that that was a hardball ass. team too. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm taking I'm taking Utah, but I think uh, I, it's what is mostly the name about- of this show? Is it I hate SEC live? What the hell are we doing here? We're picking okay, every look, team but the SEC. Look, I don't. Here's the thing. No, I took South Carolina to win. I'm taking South oh, Carolina okay. to win. Uh, I, look, if you want to be if you want me to blow smoke up your ass, go listen to another show. I'm going to talk That's about football. I'm going to talk about... <laughs> First of all, has anyone ever enjoyed smoke up their ass? <laughs> I know that... quite a few people. Yeah, for really? sure. Really? You, you know quite a few people that enjoy the feeling, the sensation of plumes I... of smoke flying up have their, you, their Have ass. you seen these, these damn bulldogs just because some idiots on ESPN picked Alabama to win? And, and my, I mean, my God, they're... They're all over me for that. I mean, I got nothing to do with that. Well, it is your fault. You've been you've been driving the narrative of how good Alabama's going to be all summer. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the point being is Georgia's dominant over them. Yet, I don't know. I mean, yes, all the smoke, please, please. I I just think we are capable as sports fans of understanding objective analysis. And if I think your team's yeah. going to win, I'm going to tell you I think your team's going to win. And if I think your team's going to lose, I'm going to tell you my I think your team's going to lose. Doesn't mean I'm right. I'm wrong right. all the time, all the time, <laughs> but I, I'm not, I don't listen to shit that that's not like authentic opinions. Like I'm not going to listen to that. I, I want somebody to tell me what they really think. And I think Utah's a better football team right now. I don't know the two time defending champions than a team that right now we're not sure if they get to a bowl game and they're at home. I don't know. I'm right. just, but I'm, how much, I'm how much Utah. of that is the quarterback and the elite tight ends? I mean, it doesn't seem like they're going to have any of that for this game. Well, they didn't have Keithy most of the last year, so they they okay. they, they just they just churn they out. They had him dudes. against Florida, though, right? So they they did it early in the game, and he went off. I think, and they still lost. <laughs> I think you well, Utah Utah was in, in inside the two yard line about five times last year and should have won the game. But <laughs> either should've way, to one of them tight ends, I guess I don't know. Maybe maybe they should have. Maybe they should have Mike. Uh, all right, so you're picking Florida to win outright. What can we wager? Because I'm just going to go ahead and gamble on this with you. Oh, yeah. No, I think for sure Florida's going to win that game. Cool. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Todd. I appreciate that. God, if you if you want to listen to state-run propaganda, go listen to some other fucking show, all right? <laughs> <laughs> That's not what we do. We talk college ball. We talk college ball here. Now, this is going to be real easy because I'm picking SEC teams every other game the rest of the show. <laughs> and so you Even know it's Georgia? not smoke. You know it's not smoke. I don't know. Is that Mercer or Southeast Louisiana? Who's playing Georgia? UT Martin. UT Martin. I know. Uh, all right. Let me let's let's bounce back and forth here with 
things that you want to see? Because those are kind of the three games that are actually competitive inside 10 point spreads. Those are the that's the real action. But there's so much other drama that's going to take place across the conference this weekend. Things that you just are excited to see. So we'll bounce back and forth. I want you to tell me what you're watching. You can pick any game you want. Uh, if you guys have questions, you guys want us to comment on something that you guys want to talk about, please jump into the comments and we'll we will go that direction. So I'll give you first crack at this. Outside of those big three, what is the thing you want to see the most in week number one in the SEC? Well, it's pretty interesting. So I had Steven Lassen, who you know That's well. two mentions. That's that's above the contract. <laughs> it's above the contract. Hey, he's I mean, he's just one of the sharpest guys out there, but he put Southeast Louisiana at Mississippi State as right up there, right below these three as, you know, a, a game to keep your eye on. Not that he thinks Mississippi State will lose, but just uncertain about them. And I, I kind of echo those sentiments because those fans are so damn high on Zach Arnett and Will Rogers and company. And not to say that I'm down on them, but they did win nine games and the expectation seems to be, you know, seven minimum eight wins and we won't learn if they're that good this game but I I just want to see this new offense I want to see the defense what it looks like with uh new faces in the secondary and and really I really want to see Mike Wright because it, it sounds like these coaches are giddy down there on, on what he brings to the Mississippi State offense so just a lot of questions about Mississippi State that uh we won't have answers to until probably not a couple of weeks down the road but uh, I, I really this this first opportunity. I'm I'm very fascinated by Mississippi State and the, particularly the offense. I I want to see. I'm with you on the Mike Wright thing, and certainly you probably get some more of that against Southeast Louisiana than you would against LSU, let's say, or or even South Carolina in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, I I want to see just the general layout of the offense, like how how and in this kind of game again, it's hard because you probably do run the ball more in this type type of situation. And we just don't know what the balance is going to look like, what the system is going to look like. And frankly, what I want to know is how are they going to run the ball? Like, are they trying to run it out of air raid situations? Because that's what Will Rogers is so comfortable in. I know he's a football junkie and he's a nerd and he's studying everything and he knows all the words and he knows all the calls. And like, he's, he's like, you know, he lives and dies this stuff, which I appreciate and love about him. But how are they going to run the football? Are they, they're not going to do it with fullbacks and multiple tight end sets and 12 personnel. Like that's not what they're going to do. So how do you add balance to that offense? I think is what I'm most interested in seeing. Do we learn that exclusively in this game? Maybe not. I do think you're right. You could see a lot of Mike, right? No pun intended, of course, in this game. So I think that's interesting, uh, but I don't know how much we learn about Mississippi state, but the run pass balance is, is worth keeping an eye on. I, I want to go to Tennessee cause I'm going to be there. I'm taking the wife, got the, got the friends coming, got the sister-in-law coming, got everybody's going tailgates early. So if you're at Nissan stadium, it's just a dumpy, professional stadium <laughs> um <laughs> if you're coming to the game come find us shoot me a tweet at braden gall we'll be walking around the parking lot in barely any clothing because it'll be hot as hell uh drinking cold beer so come come say hello uh but the thing i the thing i want to watch here is the margins for joe milton it, it's not it's not that they're going to lose it's not that they're going to struggle i think the offense is going to they, they might have a couple of interesting drives where like the, the Virginia defense gives them some trouble, but like I'm, I'm saying like a couple of punts, maybe two all game. They're going to score their 35. They're going to score their 42. In fact, I would lay the 28. I've, one of my few bets this week is Tennessee minus the 28. To me, this is about not the wide open receivers for Tennessee. Cause there's going to be a handful of wide open receivers for Tennessee. And Milton has to connect on those throws. 
but what I want to see is the tough throw. I, I want to see the 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 12-yard in route where he's got to go over a linebacker and underneath the safety and really make it an accurate throw. Can he take a little heat off of it? Like I want to see the difficult throws. There's not going to be a lot of them in the game because I think they're going to destroy Virginia. But I do think sort of watching those tricky throws for Joe Milton is going to be interesting. And, you know, I, I think the defense is going to play really well. I, I think this is a blowout. It's a beer game, as we call it. And so it's more about sort of watching the finely tuned margins for Joe Milton more than anything else for Tennessee, in my opinion. Hmm, that's interesting. I mean, that sounds good, Braden. But <laughs> offensive line, question mark. And one of their better offensive linemen, Cooper Mays, doesn't sound like he's going to play. They got questions at uh, left guard and right tackle, too. So from what I hear, Virginia's got – I wouldn't call them a stingy defense, but, you know, a, a decent ACC defense. So I don't think they're completely shut down Tennessee by any means, but I think there could be some drives here that, uh, I don't know, that they kind of stifle Tennessee because of the the, the line of scrimmage. So I, I'll be having a key eye on Tennessee's offensive line. And again, like I said, I'm not sitting here predicting them to get upset or anything, but I'm a little worried that they may not cover the spread because I don't think they're going to have quite the offensive production that, uh, that that you are indicating there. I I think there are a couple of stops in the in the first and second half, which happens naturally in week one, which happens naturally for an offensive line missing its center, happens naturally for a new quarterback. Those kind of things happen. Technically, a new coordinator, but eh, really. I think those things happen pretty naturally. The question is how fast do you work your way out of it? And I, I would get like, I think Virginia is in, in pretty deep shit this year. Like I, I don't, I, this is not a good Virginia team. Uh, this is it. The, there's been some good Virginia teams in the past. This is not one of them. And I think sure they might get a couple of stops early. I'm with you. Let's watch the offensive line. But I, I think the scheme is too good. They're going to have, I think the receiving core is too good. Like they will not be able to run, with the four headed monster out on the outside with those two receivers split way out on either side. Like they're not going to stop those guys in space. So the question is, does Joe find the open guys and does Joe Milton hit the guys on the third and eight throw? Because if you're telling me the defense is going to stop them occasionally, that puts them into third and six, third and seven, third and nine. And that's where Joe Milton's going to have to make a, a, a more difficult throw in theory. Mm -hmm. And let's see if he can make those throws. Those are the throws that I have questions. I don't have questions about Joe Milton producing 35 points and making making good throws to easy easy open receivers. It's about the tough throws that I have questions about with Joe Milton. So 25, 28 and a half. There you go. If this game was in Neyland, I I would agree with you. I just maybe I just hate it. It's in Nashville. They need to stop doing these. I I know you're gonna be there, but well, that's, they, I, that's my, my children, my two little girls like the fact that that the game's in Nashville. The stadium sucks, <laughs> frankly, uh, but. You also and and Josh Heupel knows this. They it's about it's going to be it'll be mostly orange. It'll be ninety percent Tennessee fans, so it'll feel like Neyland from a crowd standpoint. But this is about recruiting the mid state. This is about building the Tennessee brand in the mid state. That's what this is about from a recruiting standpoint. Because there's a lot more talent in this area than there was twenty years ago. Um, okay, what do you got? You think playing a Nissan Stadium really does it? I think it allows for fans and parents of recruits and high school players in the area to just come see a game when they, you know, driving three and a half hours is tougher for three hours is tougher for people. Like, mm. especially if you're doing unofficial stuff, we have to pay your own way. Um, so it, it is what it is. Uh, Fireball says, I like Nissan Stadium. I'd like to know what you like about it. 
Like there, <laughs> this is why they're spe- This is why we're spending two billion dollars on a new one. <laughs> Hill and they play they play in Nashville every other year. So I don't know. I just feel there's only seven to eight home games a year, and you're robbing this great fan base of one of them. I'm just, and they're really just doing it for money. I mean, because they they get no, more money out of it. Yeah. I just I just think it's wrong. But uh, well, I don't. I mean, the neutral site games are going to happen no matter what. Unfortunately, it's the now. I will say some athletic directors are pushing back on that. Like uh, Greg Byrne at Alabama is pushing back on that. Mm-hmm. I think what's what's interesting is I mean they've only done it twice in six or seven years. Like if you're ta- if you're counting bowl games, that's that's different. But because they've played in the Aren't Music they City doing Bowl it next year too, though three or four Charlotte? times. Well, Charlotte's you know again that's about paycheck and recruiting. Like you need to recruit North Carolina like that, and and you want to get your brand out there, and and you want to take a paycheck. I'm not saying I like it, but it's why there's reasons you do it mm. uh, for a football program. All right, what what do you got? What's what's up next? What you got? What are you watching? Oh, uh, another one probably running down my list here. UMass at Auburn. I thought UMass was, you know, somewhat impressive. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for there was only about five games week zero, but they they were among uh, the impressive of the five. And just you know, obviously all the change at Auburn with Hugh Freeze and a new staff and and essentially an entire new player uh, personnel on offense across the board. Minus uh, Jarquez Hunter. So, what does this Auburn offense look like? Does it? Do they come out fired up? The spread in that one is that's Huge. hit a little bit. It, it, well, it it was. Uh, da, 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 I'm looking it's at thirty five right now. Thirty five. Yeah. It, well, it was forty till UMass played the other day. So it's it's dipped slightly, and apparently no, UMass. No Auburn. <laughs> U, UMass is uh, nine and one uh, against the spread. In their last ten against SEC opponents, including last year against A and M, they they won against the spread. So that's an interesting one to me. UMass at Auburn. Well, uh, Hugh Freeze, welcome back to the SEC. Is is uh, that's all the headline you need to tune in for that one? Uh, how does Peyton Thorne fit inside the offense that we know? Probably Robbie Ashford runs better. I think is interesting. I think you're right. The wholesale, like it's like a hockey line change along the offensive line and. <laughs> <laughs> like a, with the port, it's like all these guys out and all these new guys in. And it's just a whole, they're just trying to, I mean, that's what you do though. And I was talking to somebody around Auburn that said, look, this is the, the reason we did this is because it's, they're more proven commodities in the portal than there are on the recruiting trail. Why would we not go get these guys out of the portal? I'm like, okay, fine. That makes sense. So it, it's, it'll be interesting to see the offense, but we, we need to see week two, week three, week. I mean, again, week four against A&M is coming up for both these guys. And I'll, I'll, I'll package, Texas A&M into this conversation. Connor Wigman named the starter. I assume we're going to see Max Johnson in the first game as well, just because it's a blowout. Uh, but I, I think how does what does the offense look like in terms of tempo? This is exclusively for me about tempo and the offensive line. How does Texas A&M look in terms of the pace of things? How are they playing? How confident are they? Connor Wigman's development from last year, Bobby Petrino's influence. Does Jimbo, you know, how long does Jimbo keep his hands off the wheel, et cetera, et cetera. Same story we've talked about all summer. But just want to see Connor Wigman in action. I thought he had a pretty pretty solid debut in a really difficult situation last year. Seven touchdowns, no interceptions as a true freshman on a team that was flailing about. Like, like I, I don't know. I think that was a pretty decent performance by him. So now that you've got a real elite offensive coordinator, what does it look like? And to me, it's all about pace and tempo and the offensive line for Texas A&M. I'd package that the same, the same reason I'm watching Auburn is the same reason I'm watching A&M. It's just, what does the offense look like? I realize worst case 
scenario is losing a game like that, and they're not going to lose, but second worst case scenario, what if they need Max Johnson to win them the game in the fourth quarter? <laughs> and or, here we go again. You know what? what- what, so maybe maybe it's not even like losing the game. What if it's like seventeen to three? Like they're they're winning seventeen to three in the third quarter, like midway through the third, and, and Jimbo's like, "Up, oh, my I got to get my sticky fingers up back into the game here." And then he puts Max Johnson in, and they just like start throwing it all around. Like, is that an indictment on Connor Wigman, or is that just Jimbo? Be, like, uh, this is this is the story every single game. <laughs> for Texas like I, I almost want to see it just for the reaction you know because we're most of us are all buying back into a&m yeah, there which is with like a curse that it will never that it won't happen you know what <laughs> <laughs> all right then i'll go bama here i'll 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 jump on the bama train and say look not naming a starter, whatever, dude it is what it is nick if you want to do that fine you could just put or on the depth chart you know like Milrow no, so, or so Simpson stupid. or Buckner. Like you coaches do this shit all the time. You could do the oars on there. Um, I think, I think all three of them are going to play. I think middle Tennessee is not worthy enough to, to stop any, any of the three of them. I, I think Jalen Milrow is the best guy. Am I crazy for thinking that I, I think eventually Ty Simpson's going to be better and he's going to threaten down the field more. I don't know if that we, I don't know if we see that this year. I think they want to line up and, chew people up like they used to in 2017 and 2012 and and i don't you know i don't know if that's good enough to beat georgia but it's probably good enough to beat most everybody else so what does the offense look like with milrow again a lot of the same things here what does the offense look like what does the offense look like but it's so many questions at quarterback and offense in the sec this year i just can't wait for his first three turnover game Against a conference opponent, I against mean that's Texas. gonna be great. Yeah, te- yeah, Texas. I count them as conference opponent, but uh, man, that's gonna be beautiful to see Nick Saban going irate on the sideline, and he doesn't have Pete Golding and and Bill O'Brien to blame this year. You know, he'll yeah. find a new excuse this fall. But uh, that's yeah. <laughs> I, and also, I think it's more important this offensive line because I I think that's where all these people are picking Alabama to win the SEC, win the national championship. They're just buying in for, uh, you know, whatever the message is coming from, uh, you know, the state media down there in, in Tuscaloosa that the offensive line is going to be awesome, even though they haven't been for a couple of years. They've, they've struggled to pick up, you know, critical first downs in situations on the goal line and such, and third and short, fourth and short. They've not been getting that push that we're used to seeing. So I guess – I guess they automatically found that over the offseason. We won't find that out against MTSU, but we'll find it fairly yeah. early in the season. But, uh, yeah, that is that is something to, to monitor, I think. If, if the offensive line is not elite, I don't yeah. know. All, all these Alabama predictions are going to be way, way wrong. Uh, Big Blue 420. We'll get to you guys. I, I've got a lot of uh, – uh, there's a lot to watch, I think, for Kentucky. Um, Gohog says, Nick seems oddly happy in his interviews. That has been strange. He has been awfully uh, re- happy in this in this whole offseason, or at least in the last couple of weeks. Um, Alabama, the most overrated team in the top 25. That's interesting, considering there's always a couple that go from number eight to, like, losing record, and I'm pretty sure that ain't going to be Bama this year. <laughs> um, so It could be. Losing record, huh? All right. <laughs> I said it could be against the spread. <laughs> uh, so big blue 420. What do you want to see in Kentucky? So let me, I don't, let me ask you like a, 
there's certain there's X's and O's stuff that I'm interested in seeing. I want to see Devin Leary. I want to see the offensive line. I want to see the tempo because that's and the spread and how much they're they're modernizing with bringing Liam Cohen back. But here's I, I'm going to step back from that for a second for Kentucky, and I want to see what you think about something. Kentucky, even though they've had some 10 win seasons and some really good football teams relative to even Kentucky's success over the last five or six years, it feels like lately that they have not dominated the not the inferior non-conference opponent the way you want them to. Like, wasn't it UTC that gave them a little bit of trouble last a couple of years ago? They, they've kind of had these games where they like dick around with their food. You know what I mean? And like, I want to see Kentucky like with Devin Leary, with Liam Cohen, with all those weapons and with what, whatever twists they're bringing to with Ray Davis. I want to see them make a, an impactful, forceful statement and say, we are better than playing with our food at the table. Like I want to be, I want to see them beat the shit out of ball state. Yeah. I don't know if that's in their DNA though, because I know they, I've been hyping up Devin Leary, hyping up these receivers. I love that they brought back Liam Cohen, but they're in their DNA. Who Stoops wants them to be is just, you know, grounded out, eat the clock, tough nose, play defense. And that's not going to lead to a lot of huge beatdowns. I don't feel like. And, and I, that agree. Was, that, I agree. That's been the particularly the problem last year was just they didn't have the offensive line to where they could do that. I mean, it was pathetic. They were getting down inside the five yard line. They were throwing consecutively because they, they knew they couldn't. And I'm not talking against SEC teams. I'm talking against, you know, uh, some of these lesser, I can't remember all the teams they put ball state and, and teams of that nature. They couldn't run on those teams and it was pathetic. So yeah. I, that this game's all about that. How does the offensive line look after shifting much of the personnel to different positions back to their more natural positions, bringing in some transfers to, to shore up at left tackle and maybe right tackle how does the Kentucky offensive line look? Because I think the the hopes of the season kind of hinge on them. Because I think every other quantity is a known quantity yeah. and could be could be a special season, but it's kind of all dictated on that offensive line. Uh, it's completely based on the offensive line. I agree. I think it was a 31-23 game last year against Northern Illinois. So it's that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And and Northern Illinois wasn't terrible last year, but like and and I'm not even suggesting that the game was as close as the score indicates, right? Like sometimes a team backdoors its way to a one score game and like, okay, fine. But, but even, and I agree with you. That's not the way Kentucky is built structurally. Like that's not who they are, but that's what they need to be on offense. And the offensive line is, is absolutely atrocious. Connor Wigman will be thrown into Heisman talk after the New Mexico, <laughs> after the New Mexico. That's like cousin okay. Shane thinks Judkins is they're going to pad his stats against Mercer. And I'm like, I would be shocked if he touched what... the ball more. <laughs> right. I'd be shocked if Judkins touches the ball more than like 12 times. <laughs> like, Connor Wigman will be thrust in the Heisman conversation if they beat Bama. That's that's where that comes from. Not New Mexico. Judkins, same thing. They beat Bama or LSU. That's how you get there. Not Mercer. Uh, it, he could throw for 10 touchdowns against New Mexico. Yeah, uh, that'll be a, st a stat people will throw out that no one will give a shit about that. Yeah. And I'm picking officially Texas A&M to beat Alabama. I've been this is my third show in the row in a row. I'm saying it. A&M will beat Alabama. The question is, do they get up for anybody else in mm -hmm. on their schedule? Which they have a drug for that A&M. If you need help getting it up, okay. Um, all right. <laughs> Week one Heisman winner. <laughs> Tim, I love you, buddy. Good to talk to you. Good to hear from you, Tim. Thanks for for hanging out. 
Um, okay, so what else we got here? Uh, Van- I want to quickly Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt want to know. I want to point this out real fast. If mm-hmm. they win against Alabama A&M, which they should, they will be four and one in their last five games and seven and seven overall since the start of last season. Mm. I don't care. I don't care who it was against, what the who they've beaten, who they didn't beat, how what the score of the games were. I don't care that it you did not push Hawaii around like I expected you to. AJ Swan looked okay. The receivers played well. By and large, you did not dominate that game the way I would I would want to. Although it was a three touchdown game in the fourth quarter, Hawaii made a couple of late pushes there. I, I still have. There's still lots of questions about Vanderbilt, but. Three years ago, when they had a 22-game SEC losing streak, <laughs> if I would have told you they would be seven and seven over a 14-game span in Clark Lee's second and beginning of third year, I think every single Vanderbilt fan and everybody in the SEC has to tip your cap and just say, "Pretty good job." And oh, by the way, the largest investment in the history of the school, even though all the professors and the law professors and the doctors and all the people don't want them to spend the money the largest investment in football in the history of the school, along with a seven and seven record over 14 games. I can make the case. It's a pretty good situation for Vanderbilt right now. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> they just need to figure out NIL. And I realize they'll never compete with the elite of the elite with NIL, but it's my understanding. They're just basically not interested. Now, maybe that's just because they can't get the funds going for it, but that's got lots change. of money. They got, so their biggest boosters have billions of dollars with a B. Like John right. John Ingram is one of the largest boosters. Owns Ingram Barge, Ingram Press, Ingram Printing. He he owns the Nashville SE Soccer Club. Like this is a billionaire with a capital B. They have a four billion dollar endowment. They can pay for it. Kentucky's having this problem too. Like Kentucky and, and Mitch Barnhart haven't exactly embraced the NIL thing as 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 best they should. So um, I just want to point out again, just stepping back from Vanderbilt, seven and seven over fourteen games. In year two and beginning of year three for Clark Lee after a 22 consecutive game SEC losing, that's I think that's major progress, and I think it's okay to say so. <laughs> so. I, I tell you what, Florida, they take it <laughs> with Billy Napier. They probably would. That, that would mean a win over Utah, you know what? Um, how about Missouri's quarterback situation? Uh, yeah, I guess Brady I, Cook is the starter, or is it Sam Horn? I mean, who's, who's it going to be at the end of this game against uh, – by the way, Thursday night against the Jackrabbits of South mm-hmm. Dakota State. Yeah, I don't think we'll really know based on this one, but I am curious to see both those guys, particularly Sam Horn, just because we've not seen him play. Uh, he certainly seems to be the fan favorite because we, we all love the quarterback we've not actually seen, and we assume right. he's right. he's great. He's going to Heisman. You know, he was he was an elite prospect. I'm not talking down to him, but uh, I know he could have went to Tennessee. That, that gives you an indication of how how highly Josh Heupel thought of Sam Horn. So very curious to see him. Want to see the defense. This should be a shutout type game, at least for the first string. Curious to see that. I want to see these receivers. I'll be happy to see Luther Burden take that next step in year two. That's something that I'm going to be looking for. But really, I want to see a running back emerge because I don't know if we have a really good running back at Missouri. And I think that's kind of dictated why the offense struggled last year. And I know everybody looks at quarterback, but the first right. two years, they had some really good running backs, Tyler Beatty. Tyler Beatty's and, really uh, good, yeah. Tyler Beatty and uh, shit, I can't think of the dude's they, name off the top. They've had of my sneaky head, decent, sneaky Roundtree, decent. Larry Roundtree. Yeah, Larry Roundtree. They, they have sneaky decent running back and defensive line history. Like yeah. if you look, like front seven, two linebackers. Nick Bolton is doing his thing right now for the Chiefs. Like they, they've had some sneaky good positions of success in in 
in the SEC since coming here. And running back has been a, a pretty good spot. So you're right. Like support whoever it is playing quarterback with some ground game. And, mm-hmm. and of course, Kirby Moore's influence as the new offensive coordinator. Eli Drinkwitz finally stepping away from that. Uh, again, just you want to see pure domination in these games. Like Ole Miss, same thing with Ole Miss against Mercer and Georgia against UT Martin. Like they're, they're not competitive football games. But you want to see Carson Beck be in control. You want to see Jackson Dart be accurate. Uh, you want to see KJ Jefferson not get hurt <laughs> against Western <laughs> Carolina. Like, just mm-hmm. slide, dude. Just slide. I, I want to watch KJ Jefferson for 12 games and see what he can do. So, a lot of those types of games where there's no point spread and there's no gambling, it's just sort of like just handle your business, go out there, work up a sweat, dominate the line of scrimmage put up some points and get out of there without an injury. I think that's what you're hoping for if you're, you know, and then again, let Carson K- back, K- you know, KJ uh, locks up the Heisman after week one, seven touchdowns against Western like Carolina thrust Western into Carolina. the Heisman conversation. <laughs> Just like this other guy was Chris. Was saying. <laughs> well, I want to see the defense for Arkansas though. I mean, yeah, this that's is true. That's true. Uh, I, again, we, who knows what we'll learn against Western Carolina, but we just can't be as awful as we were, but build some confidence against an opponent of this caliber before the schedule stiffens up a little bit. I know it's, a, it's always a little wonky playing in Little Rock, but uh, and they've moved the kickoff time. I know fans are upset about that, but uh, that I'll, I know what we have in KJ. I know what we have in Rocket. I'm, I'm yeah, going to be more, yeah. more curious about the defense. Yeah, find, find some guys. Find some alphas on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball, for sure, with that new, uh, that new very aggressive Travis Williams defense. We should see what goes on on that side of the ball, for sure. Um, all right. Do we want to do like the start of each episode next, like starting next week, like the airings, the airing of grievances? Because it feels like I'm taking Florida State. You've got LSU. I'm taking Utah uh, because I hate the SEC apparently. And you, you've, you're taking Florida outright to win, correct? Oh yeah. Okay. So we we have to we have to start next week's show with with the airing of grievances. And and if you're right, I'll 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 stand up and apologize. If I'm right, I need you to apologize. I don't know do if I'll apologize. Time. I think I'll blame Napier for. Screwing oh, you're it gonna. Up. Okay, for for you're gonna blame Billy Napier for what came out of your mouth. For letting me down, for disappointing the audience. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, disappointing. Hey, we the audience. we didn't hit about, uh, or or maybe you did, and I forgot it. But Mercer, Ole Miss. Uh, what what the hell? I was told last week that Jackson Dart was going to be the starting quarterback, and now they. I mean, maybe he still is. I don't know, but. Uh, why the hell against Mercer are we keeping it this tight lip down there? And, and I mean, do you think I, Lane I, Kiffin I, is just trolling Nick Saban? <laughs> I mean, I had not even thought of that, but perhaps, I mean, that's, that makes more sense than anything I else. Put it, I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> I mean, it's Mercer for God's sake. Who, who cares? Just <laughs> name, a, name a starting quarterback, you know, and we know they're all going to, they'll probably play three or four quarterbacks in this right. game. I'm more interested in like Walker Howard, honestly, <laughs> than I am in Jackson Dart. Like if Walker just, Howard yeah, actually sees some time, start him, start him, yeah. and just just, yeah. just to throw everybody off, you know. Well, that's what he did last year. He played Luke Altmaier first. He's like, ah, no, this was the plan. We're going to play both of them in two separate games. That was always the plan. Uh, <laughs> I, I just I want to see Dart. Dart, I think, is the guy. I think I want to, but but he needs to be accurate because the offense is based on angles and timing and accuracy. And so, you know, Judkins is this amazing weapon that will dictate so much space on the on the defense. Wherever Judkins is and whatever he is doing, it's going to influence every other player, and that's where Dart has to then be good off of that 
on the play action. And you ha- it's all about angles. Matt Corral was great at angles and geometry and timing. And if Dart can do that, this offense could be very dangerous and they could win a lot of games this year. Like, mm-hmm. so uh, we'll see. Um, but again, yeah, de- it- defense as well with Pete Golding, see what they look like on that side. So. Do you have any thoughts on uh, Texas playing Rice, Oklahoma playing Arkansas State? I'm because I'm going to be watching all those games to kind oh, of yeah. get to learn those teams. And anything uh, from those stand out? Uh, so JT Daniels starting <laughs> for Rice. <laughs> He's That's still right. in college. Former USC, <laughs> former Georgia, former West Virginia quarterback JT Daniels starting for Rice. Who also has a national championship ring? <laughs> Just want to put oh, that out God, there. Oh God, he does, doesn't he? And and oh, by the way, Texas could play not one, not two, but three quarterbacks because the Malik Murphy kid, who's also getting a ton of hype out of camp, Arch Manning. I here's here's the scenario we're talking. We were joking about Petrino and the offense with Max Johnson coming off the field. What happens mm-hmm. if like they're up twenty-one nothing and Arch gets to the debut? And then Arch goes for like four straight touchdowns. You don't think the entitled boosters <laughs> in Texas are going to lose their shit over Arch Manning? It's going to be great. <laughs> I just uh, I, Arkansas I, State I, sucks, so go Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kind of curious because you know I'm sure this time next week we're going to be talking a lot of Alabama oh, yeah. Texas, oh, yeah. so I'll, I'll have a keen eye on on that Texas game. I think the defensive line, like the whole the whole story around Austin is that they've eliminated the entitlement this year, that the coaching staff has done a job to eliminate the entitlement. And if that's actually happening, then you'll see them dominate on defense. You'll see you'll see the weapons on the, the offensive line, which is very similar to LSU. Right. They played a bunch of young players on the offensive line last year. Now they're all back this year. Quinn, you Xavier worthy like they've got dudes, man. And Sark knows how to coach on offense, at least. So I, I want to see kind of like. Tennessee it's like or sorry like Kentucky excuse me I, I want to see them like put somebody away early and and stand on their neck you know what I mean like it's freaking rice here I know national championship quarterback JT Daniels is on the other side and his what weird he carves ha- him his up? weird hair <laughs> <laughs> does he still have the stash I don't know but he's just got such a weird face <laughs> I, I, I just I don't understand I'm, I'm sorry JT Daniels I apologize but uh, Oklahoma, the story out of camp is the offense looks elite, like Lincoln Riley. Good. I doubt it. Uh, but Dylan Gabriel is a very good player. So keep an eye on him. And the biggest question about Oklahoma is their defensive line. Like their, their defensive line will keep them from winning the conference this year, unless they are very, very good. All right. Motivated, dedicated, all caps. That's how you know he's serious. Virginia beats Tennessee. Hmm. Sounds like a hater to me. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Uh, all right, do you have any? Do you have any? Do you have any? Uh, are you gambler? Are you gambler? Are you gambling this weekend? Who you, who you got? Uh, yeah. I'm, well, I mean, I already told you, Florida outright, right? I like that. And okay. LSU outright. I mean, they're they're the okay. favorite though, so I don't know. They're, if that yeah, two counts, and a half points. Two and a half points there. Those are pretty much the only ones that I'm. You know, I I think I may lean UMass in the points. I may lean Virginia in the points. That's that's all I've got right now. Okay, I've got Tennessee minus the twenty eight with actual real money. I've got the receipt if you need it. Uh, so I've got Tennessee minus the twenty eight. Uh, if the number gets down, if the number goes down for Utah to like five, I would stay away from it. If it goes back up to eight or nine and it starts to rise again, that's maybe when you want to take a flyer on Florida and jump on those points. Uh, if the number gets to three 
for LSU, I would stay away from it. Uh, otherwise, I would take Florida State in the three at, at that point. Same with South Carolina. If it gets to plus three, take the three points for sure. Because right now, I was sent again two two and a half. So uh, we shall see. Uh, otherwise, I think that just about does it. Uh, Aaron is in Ireland. Was <laughs> she at the Navy game? She she was at the Navy. She was she was shooting. She was shooting the Navy game. Um, okay. Sam Sam Hartman of former Wake Forest fame, who beat Florida State, who's going to beat LSU. So there you have it. That's how it all comes. That's how it all comes full circle. So, all right, Mike, uh, you can f- get to him on Twitter, of course, SEC Mike. You got that SEC podcast. The, the, the podcast feed, of course, is uh, SEC Football Live. So check that out. We do appreciate all you guys in the comments. You guys, absolutely great this week. I just thank, thank God it's here, man. <laughs> it's <laughs> Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. Uh, do you want me to do something? I could do this each show and tell you like the random game to watch outside of the sec because they're going to be coaches they're going to that are going to be and there or there's reasons houston and utsa this weekend pick them game Mm -hmm. it was a great game last year and it's the best quarterback on paper right now that tennessee is going to face the entire season frank harris the quarterback at utsa they're going to play after the florida game in knoxville just keep an eye on utsa this weekend so if you want to do some future scouting make sure you check out utsa in houston this weekend should be interesting. I can't, I can't wait for Tennessee to hang 60 on them. I didn't say they're going to stop them. I said it was on paper <laughs> the best quarterback they might play because right now we don't know who half these quarterbacks are at Alabama. And Better at, than Leary? I would have the number one and number two quarterbacks on Tennessee's schedule would be Frank Harris and Devin Leary. Those would be number one mm. and number two. Just Better keep an eye on UT. Just do some future scouting. yes that's true he's going to be in the heisman conversation after week one i forgot about that Uh, all right thank you guys for listening man uh appreciate you guys uh enjoy week one if you're walking around nissan stadium shoot me a tweet at Braden gall we'll come find you i'll buy you a beer how about that uh on me no 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 questions asked you get a beer you mentioned the show you get a beer on me no questions asked so uh all right for mike i'm Braden. thanks for hanging out rate review subscribe we do appreciate you guys enjoy week one we'll talk to you next week